Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound Off. We want to get people back to work. We've got to be paving the pathways. It is up to Congress to kind of set the rules of the road, but you have to wonder what Facebook's final objective is in that. Bloomberg Sound Off. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. If they just simply reopened the economy and returned everyone back to work, we would be, I think, in a better situation today. Washington may squander its best chance to make long overdue investments in our infrastructure. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The billionaire's tax was out. Now it's back in, they say. Or is it? The millionaire's surtax is still on the table. And there's no agreement, at least not publicly, on expanding Medicare or extending the child tax credit, never mind climate or paid leave. As I read the headline on the terminal, really says it all. Biden agenda traces D.C. arc from vision to sausage grinder. We take air live from Washington today without knowing exactly how this program will end as chaos continues here inside the bubble. Coming up, we'll get the latest on Capitol Hill from Bloomberg's Laura Davison has been owning the tax story today, and we'll talk about it with the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shansano and Rick Davis with us for the hour, and we'll dig into details later on this grand debate with Congresswoman Haley Stevens, Democrat from Michigan, and a lot more ahead, too, in the fastest hour in politics. And we start with a lot of questions today. Not unusual on this program, but the story's changed so many times in the last couple of hours. There's clearly frustration on both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue. As the Democratic leadership speaks optimistically still at this late hour about a deal as soon as today. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Yesterday was another productive day as we make progress towards finalizing President Biden's Build Back Better plan. After another vigorous, spirited caucus lunch, meetings continue with Senate colleagues and members of the White House, as well as with the President. An agreement is within arm's length, Hmm. and we are hopeful that we can come to a framework agreement by the end of today. There it is, a framework by the end of today. Day's not over yet. Sources telling Bloomberg President Biden is, or at least was at one point today, still willing to get in the motorcade, go to the Capitol. If they got a deal, the view from Senator Joe Manchin a bit earlier today. How confident are you that you can I can pay for the whole package? We're not doing everything today. We're not going to have a complete this the Senate's going to take time. You think it's going to happen today in the Senate. We're basically trying to agree to a framework, and the president's been very clear. He'll go over to the House and he'll basically explain to the House that I have a framework, but there's still an awful lot of work to be done, and we're going to have something happening. You have to trust. Just imagine. Big questions remain still about the most critical components of the bill, including some of the new tax ideas we talked about at this time yesterday. That's why we want to speak with Bloomberg's Laura Davison. It's been breaking news on this all day, and she joins us now. Laura, Senator Manchin called the billionaire's tax convoluted. And we know Democrats on the Ways and Means Committee are not fans. Richie Neal said it was out. Then I read it's back in. Where do we stand right now? 
Well, it sounds like Democrats are still negotiating. This is sometimes how the process goes of you have, you know, sort of a flurry of activity. Things are out, they're in, uh, you know, they're changed. And this is really the process that we're at. You know, they have, Democrats have a lot of tough decisions to make. They have to figure out on the spending side what proposals they, they want to spend. They, you know, have less than two trillion dollars to go around and they you know started with you know six trillion dollars worth of ideas mm-hmm. so those are some tough calls they're making we just learned that paid leave is likely out of the the package this is something that kirsten uh senator kirsten Gillibrand has been fighting for uh one of the, the key things that biden has been talking about and progressives uh that likely not in the package they also have to come up with the money to pay for it and some of their big revenue raisers things like raising the corporate tax rate or raising the top individual tax rate were taken off the table once uh kirsten cinema said that she wouldn't support those tax increases so they've been getting creative in the past couple of days and coming up with some workarounds this billionaire's tax was was widen's idea uh but this has really not gotten a lot of love from democrats uh, on both sides of the capitol it is a very complicated idea it's a very novel idea and they say it's 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 untested and doesn't have the support to to get through Congress. We spoke with Congresswoman uh, Susan Delbene last evening on the program, also on Ways and Means. Didn't seem to love the idea. But now we're hearing, Laura, that they, they may be at least Speaker Nancy Pelosi says this bill could go to the Rules Committee tomorrow, or at least what we know about the bill. Does that mean there will be a framework by the end of the day? Or are you, are you starting to doubt that idea? It means there could be a framework. So Nancy Pelosi is setting up the process for this bill to advance. Part of this is to show progressives that they're advancing on this Build Back Better plan, getting closer to having a deal, having a bill, uh, because for many of them, it's a requirement to have this bill ready before they're willing to vote on the infrastructure bill. Right. Um, so this has really been the, the, the drama all along. You know, we are now at, you know, five o'clock in the evening. It's unlikely that, you know, we can go from today to tomorrow having a bill, uh, but they could, you know, make some uh, some uh, advancements and have something on paper saying, hey, here are the bullet points of what we agree- have agreed to. So a lot of question marks remain. Could this be an all-nighter or, or are people starting to get ready to leave? Uh, there usually are all-nighters in kind of, a, you know, the week or so leading up there to being a deal. I'm not sure if tonight mm-hmm. will be one of those nights. Uh, but, you know, certainly talks are still ongoing. Uh, Richie Neal uh, is with uh, huddled with staff right now writing uh, the tax portion of the bill. So there's, there's a lot going on, and it could be along that ahead of us. Doing a great job, great reporting. I'm really glad you could join us. Laura Davison, Bloomberg. Let's get the view of the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us right off the top here because this is where we left off yesterday, Jeannie. Still no deal, still no framework. It, it's hard to tell even which components are in or out by the minute or hour you look at the terminal. Does this sound like the night we vote on infrastructure? You know, I'm listening to you and Laura, and my, my heart is palpitating. And this is <laughs> Laura said it right. It's so much drama. You know, I, I think Brendan Boyle said it perfectly right to Bloomberg yesterday when he said we're missing just two things. What exactly is in this bill and how do you pay <laughs> right. for it? Otherwise than that, they're good. Otherwise, to go. it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. You know, that's why I just still cannot imagine that you get a framework before the president leaves, because here's the problem. We know about 40 progressives has said they won't vote for the bill unless they have the they won't for the vote for the infrastructure unless they have the build back better and you have joe manchin the clip you just played saying oh just go ahead and trust us there's not a lot of trust on either side now the one exception to that is i think if bernie sanders got up with president biden and told the progressives you can trust we can get this through Mm -hmm. maybe that would be a way but that doesn't seem to be in the offing in the next you know 24 hours 
And they did meet today, right? We understand that Bernie Sanders was meeting with President Biden. Uh, There will likely be more meetings with the mansions and cinemas of the world. But what does that tell you, Rick, when you hear that Bernie Sanders is sitting down with the president? Was that the last ditch attempt to get this done before the big trip abroad? Yeah, I think that uh, it's not so much the last ditch attempt to get it done, but probably Bernie Sanders last ditch attempt to get what he wants out Mm -hmm. of this bill. I mean, my guess is there's a cheat sheet that uh, Speaker Pelosi, um, uh, Majority Leader Schumer and the president have. I think they've got the outlines of a bill already. They're trying to work through the components of it. But I don't think they're out there showing it to everybody. And I think that's part of what Bernie Sanders was doing. That's part of what uh, the moderates in the Senate, uh, 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 Cinema and Mansion, Men's Cinema, uh, were doing with the president this morning or with with the staff this morning. I think there's actually more down on paper than than we're seeing. What we're seeing are people who are actually trying to lobby to get their pieces in. And and I think you saw that with, you know, the child tax credit stuff that uh, uh, that uh, uh, Kristen Gillibrand was working with um, uh, with uh, Joe Manchin on. So, yeah. like, there's a lot of one offs going on here. And, and I think we focused on that and not the core bill. My guess is by Nancy Pelosi telling Richie Neal, you know, to get get going with a bill tomorrow and starting to mark up that he's going to have something to mark up. And that will be <laughs> that will be, in essence, the 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 revenue of 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 a bill that they're still putting, you know, the policies together on. Are we still are we going man cinema? I'm not sure we ever declared that big Politico's going with Cinemansion, right? I think I like man cinema. Uh, so this came up, of course, in the White House briefing Jen Psaki on the billionaires tax. Is the White House confident that a billionaire's tax would withstand legal challenges, which I guess is another way of asking, is it legal? <laughs> We're not going to support anything we don't think is legal, uh, but I will tell you the president supports the billionaire tax. Uh, he looks forward to working with Congress and Chairman Wyden to make sure the highest income Americans pay their fair share. If we're still asking questions like that at this late hour, Jeannie, what does that tell you? It, to me, it says they have a long way to go. And, and, and I have to say, Christine Barada, the producer, saying that we should go cinema. What did, what did you say? Cinema Mansion? Cinema Mansion? First. You like cinema Mansion. Mansion. Yeah, I agree with Christine. Um, no, I think we have a long way to go. And I think if they don't get this done before the president leaves, one of the big questions that's going to be asked in the aftermath is why all the false deadlines? You know, October 31st, we're hearing surface transportation. And yet, of course, you can pass that on a continuing resolution. The president wants something to take overseas, but everybody overseas knows the state of what is going on in Congress. This isn't like we're in a bubble and nobody outside of the U.S. knows. So I think the real question is here, why the deadlines? If, you know, because they keep setting these expectations that keep getting blown out of the water. Rick says seniority is key in the Senate. We're going manchinima. And that is the respectful route to take. Uh, With that said, now that we have cleared that up here, Rick, we still have to deal with a, there is one real deadline that's the expiration of surface transportation funding on halloween right does that mean they just kick a cr at the end of the week and, and move on they they can or that you know they stop the clock i mean the, the oh. house of representatives has a lot of way of dealing with reality and and, and they're in the <laughs> fantasy world right spoken now, so. like a man from the senate <laughs> yeah exactly i'm sorry to anybody who's uh, representing the house of representatives but uh, the reality is that they have tricks that they can play and they can ex- they can they can let it even expire for for a little while before they fill it in so uh, but I think these they I think there actually is an attempt to use these as deadlines to get something done. They realize this is an unruly process. Yeah. People are not going to see this bill until they vote on it. 
let's just be totally clear about that. And it won't be the first time that's ever happened. Wow. And so, so we'll be reading a bill when the vote is being taken in the House of Representatives. Oh my God, where's John Boehner when you need him? Where's John McCain when you need him? They'd be, they'd be yelling right now. All right, Rick and Jeannie, hang around uh, for the hour. And coming up, the retail industry is asking Congress to pass infrastructure to try to save Christmas. We'll talk about it with David French, the National Retail Federation, next. Stay here. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The headline on the terminal, U.S. retail lobby sends SOS to Congress on supply chain chaos. That would be the National Retail Federation now calling on lawmakers to update shipping and trucking laws to ease a crisis that's raising prices and causing shortages. You know about it. You probably started ordering your gifts early. That's what they keep telling us to do, right? Remembering this announcement from President Biden earlier this month. After weeks of negotiation and working with my team and with the major union retailers and freight movers, the ports of Los Angeles, the port of Los Angeles announced today that it's going to be begin operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 24-7. Now the Retail Federation is asking the House to get with it and pass the infrastructure bill to, quote, save our shipments. Joining us to talk about how that would work is David French, Senior VP of Government Relations at the National Retail Federation. David, welcome. There's money to modernize ports and roads, I know, inside the infrastructure plan. We've talked about it a lot. Would that happen, though, in time to save Christmas? Well, let's let, let's think about it this way: the the U.S. supply chain operates uh, in 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 every corner of the country. Uh, it's it's very it, it's very fragile, and disruptions like the current pandemic have have made the uh, the challenges within the supply chain even more challenging. Yeah, sure. What we need is a, we need a supply chain that's sustainable and resilient. And in order to build resiliency into the supply chain, we need to modernize our roads, our rail, our ports, uh, the, the basic infrastructure goods move every day on. Are you getting worried this is not going to happen? We talk about this thing every day on this program. Can't do infrastructure without reconciliation, vice versa. A lot of weeks have gone by here, though, and I wonder if the Federation is starting to think this may not become law. We... Infrastructure remains very part, popular on a bipartisan way, in a bipartisan fashion. What we have right now on Capitol Hill is a little bit of a hostage drama. I, I think we might see that drama uh, break over the weekend, perhaps. The Senate has already passed this bill. Uh, it passed with a strong bipartisan uh, uh, margin, yeah. and it's ready to go in the House. I, it's been sitting on the shelf. It's sitting on the shelf, but as soon as... Uh, as soon as the, uh, uh, the the smoke clears, we think the House can take it up and pass it very quickly and get it to the president's desk for his signature. This is obviously a core uh, priority for the for the National Retail Federation. This is how goods get to stores, reminding everyone that this is all private enterprise, right? Not just the ships that are lined up off the coast, but those who run the ports, those who drive the trucks. Those who run the warehouses and the retail stores, what's this Christmas, this holiday season going to look like, David? We project this holiday season is going to be very strong for retailers. Consumer demand is very high. In fact, that's one of the things that's driving the supply chain crunch 
that we're experiencing today, mm -hmm. uh, demand is up so much higher than it was last year. In fact, it's, it's up uh, the number of, of, of containers brought into the United States from last year to this year is up 18, more than 18 percent. What do you make of that? Is um, that the is that a side effect of COVID because we're all on Amazon ordering stuff all day? Or is it is it simply more demand that would have happened either way? You know, it's, it, there are a lot of factors that go into it. Um, the consumer, uh, COVID um, made everybody change their behaviors. And people stopped spending uh, on meals out. They stopped traveling. They stopped doing some things that were, were pretty common behaviors before. Sure. And they saved a lot of money. Um, all, of, all of the businesses, as soon as they saw what was happening with COVID, they, they took down their risk and they, and, and, and they saved their cash. Well, American households did the same thing. Yeah. Two years, almost two years into this, we're ready. People are ready to spend. They are happy to shop. They're coming to stores. Foot traffic in brick and mortar retailers is up. Uh, is is at the same level as online retail. People are shopping and and they're enthusiastic about it. Uh, but the supply chain, which has been disrupted at at various points along the way since the beginning of the pandemic, the supply chain is it just can't keep up. Yeah, it's and ground so to a halt here. Are, I wonder if it, you could it, talk to us as well about the trucking laws. You're asking the the Congress to update trucking laws. That would be a little bit different than the investments we're talking about in ports, roads, and bridges. As I just learned, based on, on your report, on your blog post, that federal regulations prohibit truckers aged 18 to 20 from driving across state lines, for instance. What, what kind of a change would that make? Well, the average age of a, of a truck driver, a long-haul truck driver in the United States is is probably nearing 60. Huh. We have, we're, we're 80,000 truck drivers short of what we really need to keep this economy moving. And, and legally, legal, uh, legal, I'm sorry, that's not the right word. Um, trained truck drivers between the ages of 18 yeah. and 20 can't Licensed. cross state lines. Understood. Licensed, li license. thank you for the, for the, for the sure. licensed truck drivers can't cross state lines because of federal law. That federal law needs to be modernized. Well, I know we the Teamsters and others were at trucking, this. Uh, trucking profession. The, there were union members at the union leaders at that event at the White House. They said, we've got the labor to make this happen. It sounds like we don't, David. We, we, we need younger drivers. We need, we need to bring more drivers online. This is, this is affecting goods you know, between a warehouse and a store. Right. This is affecting, it's, you know, so when you think of the supply chain, it's not just ports. David French, Senior Vice President, Government Relations at the National Retail Federation. Keep talking to us about that. These are the guys knocking on the doors on Capitol Hill trying to make something happen. Stay here. We'll reassemble the panel next. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 1130 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff says China's test of a hypersonic missile has all of our attention. As the CEO of Raytheon tells Bloomberg, we are behind the Chinese when it comes to military technology. We'll hear from both and talk about the U.S. military policy with Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Chanzano and Rick Davis. All as we wait for something to come out of Capitol Hill.
Reports of China launching a hypersonic missile spooked a lot of people, especially since we didn't know about it for a couple of months. It actually happened in August, right? The comments today from General Mark Milley, the chair of the Joint Chiefs, were pretty scary, too. As he sat down with David Rubenstein, co-founder of the Carlyle Group, host of Bloomberg's Peer-to-Peer Conversations. Man, does he make a trip to Washington worth it? Let's get to General Milley. Uh, What we saw was a very significant event of a test of a hypersonic uh, uh, weapon system. Um, And it is very concerning. Uh, I think I saw in some of the newspapers they they used the term Sputnik moment. I don't know if it's quite a Sputnik moment, but I think it's very close to that. Sputnik moment. Follows similarly stark comments on Bloomberg from the CEO at Raytheon, Gregory Hayes. He spoke with Bloomberg's David Weston about that missile. I would tell you we are behind the Chinese in terms of investment and in the technology. We understand how a hypersonic glide vehicle works. Uh, We understand uh, hypersonic missiles, how they work. We've demonstrated it. Uh, The Chinese, however, have actually fielded hypersonic weapons. Uh, They've tested the hypersonic glide vehicle. We are at least several years behind. And we bring in the panel with Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shansano and Rick Davis. Have we had our eye off the ball here, Rick? We talk about climate. We talk about human rights with regard to China. I'm not sure a lot of Americans realize that we are falling behind militarily. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that it's starting to make its way into the sort of, you know, normal cultural discussion. But a lot of experts have been worrying about this, uh, especially in the last half a decade with the advancements in AI and machine learning, uh, the techniques that are used to be able to operate a hypersonic missile like that. And, and, And there have been a lot of people who have been really worried about it and commissions have written papers about it. But Uh, You don't really see this kind of mobilization on the part of the administration, either in the Trump administration or the Biden administration, to try and, you know, frankly, play catch up on technology Mm -hmm. that is right now considered deployable in China, but not yet here. What we do hear, though, is that we don't want and we are not in the beginning of a Cold War with China, Jeannie. Comments like this make you wonder if we should be. And if we're at the dawn of a new arms race. Yes. And I I think what what General Milley said echoes what President Biden has been saying since before he took office, is that we need to turn our attention towards China. They are expanding rapidly with, you know, in in all ways. And I think this is one example of that. You know, the, the president has been saying this. President Trump before him in a different way was making the same case. So I do think there is momentum there. Mm -hmm. That said, I think when you look at the numbers, we have to be clear. They have expanded very, very quickly militarily, but we still far outspend them. Our spending militarily is almost $800 billion compared to theirs at about $250 billion by last count. So we're spending a lot, but they are catching up very, very quickly. That's a concern, but we can still outpace them. Well, we'll see, I suppose, uh, Rick. This is another dose of General Milley's comments. To your point, not just the missile we're worried about. They're expanding rapidly uh, in space, uh, in cyber, and then in the traditional domains of land, sea, and air. And they have gone from a peasant-based infantry army that was very, very large in 1979 uh, to a very capable uh, military that covers all the domains uh, and has global ambitions. So China is very significant on our horizon. How important, Rick Davis, will it be to have this summit, which has been agreed to, just no date, 
between Presidents Biden and Xi? Well, I think keeping a, a, a good conversation, communications open with China is what will keep us from entering into a, uh, a, a cold war as such. I mean, we remember cold wars as being, you know, uh, post-Soviet Union, you know, uh, pre-Soviet Union Cold War hmm. uh, with Russia. But this, this is actually, I, I would argue, almost already in a cold war. We, we, are, we are in a stymie on climate with, 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 with China. They're not even attending, uh, as a head of state, Xi, uh, the uh, COP26. Um, we are in a stymie on trade, uh, you know, haven't advanced it in a year since Biden's been president. Uh, and there are military maneuvers today, uh, f- overflights near Taiwan that are very provocative that we don't really have an answer for right now as a policy or as, as, as a military uh, operation uh, to counter. So uh, things seem to be moving in a wrong direction. Uh, yeah. But I think that communication, having a summit, opening up those lines of communication, drawing some parameters around conduct, I think are going to be really key to how we set uh, a new, more competitive agenda with China. Now, this is one of those moments where the combined power of the terminal and Bloomberg Radio and TV, as I'm reading and hearing these comments throughout the day, you start connecting the dots in your head. You say, boy, we have some things to worry about. Coming up, we get back to infrastructure, reconciliation, and go to the source. Congresswoman Haley Stevens, Democrat from Michigan, will join us for an update on the grand debate. And also helping to unwind the supply chain crunch. It's a big priority for Congresswoman Stevens with us next on Bloomberg Sound On. Stay here. I'm Joe Matthew, and this is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Negotiations continue at this late hour on Capitol Hill. I suppose it's not too late for something to happen. The last we heard from the Democratic leadership, there still could be an agreement on a framework for the Biden economic agenda, the reconciliation bill tonight. That would be something. But we remain open minded here on Bloomberg Radio as we welcome Congresswoman Haley Stevens, Democrat from Michigan. It's great to have you back, Congresswoman. And I wonder if you could just start with an update on what you're hearing, whether the the billionaire's tax is in or out, and whether you're getting closer to an actual bill. Well, I'll I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not voting on anything until I can read the text. (laughs) So I've been hearing we're 90 percent done. And, you know, we we are in the middle of an intense negotiation, you know, a lot of respect for our committee chairs and and people who, uh, and frankly, the committee staff, 
uh, who who have been working really hard here. Um, but uh, once we're at 100%, then we'll have something to look at. And mm-hmm. I know that our rules committee has been advised to be in, in session tomorrow. There's certainly a deadline weighing on us in terms of what we need to do um, to get surface transportation uh, reauthorized and funded. We don't want to see these road projects that have already uh, been funded have to stop because of a you know, bureaucratic disruption. So we're we're going to get our act together. I, I look. I there's a lot of things uh, in the Build Back Better agenda. I'm going to tell you that very honestly. There's a lot of things in there, but there there's also some you know very relevant things going on in the place where I call home in Michigan, which is we got a microchip shortage right yeah. now. So I you know. That's a separate, you know, matter. I, I don't think that that's going to get into Build Back Better, but it's got to get done. And and, and and so I am just eager to continue to do and deliver for mm-hmm. the people of the United States of America. Well, I'm sure you're getting tired of being asked the same question over and over again, but could there be a vote this week, or do you see President Biden getting on Air Force One essentially empty-handed? Well, look, I, I expect there to be some um, activity, um, and there's a bunch of ways in which <laughs> we begin the process of voting. We begin the you know the rule process. Uh, I, I think that there is a, a trust accord going on right now between the Senate and the House. That's kind of unusual, right? Usually, the bodies act without a. a a lot of direct interaction with one right. another uh, in this type of way. And right now we're we're working together very closely and uh that gives me some some optimism in that that might get us to a place where you see some votes being taken but a lot of members I think are feeling like how I am which is I, I want to vote, but I want to read before I vote. Well, I think that makes you officially old-fashioned. I mean that in truly the best way. Uh, Congressman, I'll, I'll remind our listeners that you served as chief of staff to the U.S. Auto Task Force. Uh, gosh, that was its hard to believe that was over 10 years ago now, but helped to save GM and Chrysler during the Great Recession. We got some big headlines today from the other big name in the business. That would be Ford. Ford and GM both reported today. Ford says the chip shortage could extend into 2023. I know that this is a big deal for you in Michigan. You've been co-sponsoring legislation to get to this. Is that your expectation? We've got at least another year of this? I have been steeped in semiconductor work for a long time before we even, you know, hit this pandemic. And and certainly, I, I think when the pandemic arrived, we weren't in March thinking there was going to be, March of 2020, that there was going to be a chip shortage. Well, that's to this level and this deep, but it is going to go for a while. It's not going to be solved overnight. I'm very proud of all the men and women who are working in our automotive sector from our, our suppliers on, on up. Uh, I know the dealers are, are being squeezed right now. I, I mean, it's really unbelievable, and I, I do this work back home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I go and see these small businesses, and it's been jaw-dropping to see the, them innovating and, and eager to produce, and yet saying, i got to turn down work because 
I don't have the materials to meet that yeah. demand. We're hearing about um, it in earnings reports on a nightly basis in this earnings. It's not just the auto sector. It's, my gosh, everything needs a semiconductor to operate now. And if we're talking about going all the way through next year again, this could really keep the economy from growing. Well, it's certainly going to be a, uh, a stymie to uh, what I, I think is actually a, an economy with uh, a lot of demand. Uh, we're, we're seeing produ- productivity challenges on the material and human human capital side. I am very enthusiastic about the full funding for the CHIPS Act, in part because CHIPS Act legislation will provide certainty. It provides permission to companies like Intel who want to build these facilities here in the United States but want to also have a competitive framework to be able to to do so. Uh, the size of these chips, very small, but the weight right now is quite significant uh, in terms of what's taking place. And, and by the way, folks have to predict and, well, not predict, but they have to make projections in terms of the production, you know, quarters out, I mean, quarters out. And, and so you just wonder, well, uh, so people are going to be, not going as big as they would because of this shortage. What does that mean for, you know, the the quarters that will ensue once we get this legislation done and yeah. and we think, well, we've got some certainty. I mean, it, you say 2023, well, you, you start to, if you can say, oh, the auto rescue was 10 years ago, what does the next uh-huh. 10 years look like from today? I mean, time burns here. Right, and that's a concern. We spoke earlier this hour uh, with uh, someone from the National Retail Federation, and this this all connects here. They're very concerned about the supply chain, and that's got a lot to do with the semiconductor shortage as well. And they're urging the House to pass the infrastructure bill, the BIF, that already passed the Senate, to try to unlock money to upgrade our ports and roads and also to update shipping and trucking laws to ease this supply chain crunch. Do you agree with the National Retail Federation that that infrastructure bill would make a difference there? I think it absolutely would. And I, I, I really want to give the stakeholders credit uh, for recognizing something that's hanging before us, which is that this COVID-19 pandemic, as much as we want it to be over, is not over. Yeah. The ramifications in our economy are still hitting us. Uh, you know, I... I I look at the small business provisions and, and, and the small businesses of America, and I, I just wonder who's making money right now uh, because I've got <laughs> fitness centers in Michigan closing. I've got restaurant owners who are still very frustrated. I've got hair salons who aren't breaking even. And then obviously this whole scourge with the chips crisis uh, and, by the way, other material costs. I mean, some are not getting relief. On, on steel and aluminum in the mm-hmm. way that they should. It's a huge problem. So in some ways, if we can provide certainty and stability right now, I believe that's getting this uh, inf- this first infrastructure bill done. I'd, I'd love to vote on that, you know, lo- you know, tomorrow, today, whenever we can vote on it. Yeah. I, we're ready to do it. So. Well, as a member of the House, and you mentioned uh, briefly working directly with the Senate, this kind of back and forth that we're seeing, and largely it comes down to two people, like President Biden said, and when you're 50-50 in the Senate, everybody's the president. I just wonder if if you're feeling frustration here as as a member of the People's House, unable to act on this bill because of a couple of characters next door in the United States Senate. Well, look, 
you know, the election is a year away, so you can put on your campaign hat though early. And, and here's what I'd say is let's do and deliver. We know in one legislative term we're in the 117th Congress. It's going to be the 118th Congress before we we know it. We're, we're always inching towards something, right? We're always asking, you know, for, for, for uh, you know, the, the big thinking and, and certainly also the reality of what we can actually get done. So my, my thought is, is, you know, let's let I've, I've got some brilliant bills right now, uh, you know, doubling of U.S. scientific research funding that's passed the House, comparable as passed the Senate. We could work out some of the technical differences and get that to President Biden to sign again in short order. And that'd be a huge win for this country. And, and we can still keep asking for more. I mean, look, I have been on paid family leave for a long time. I, I think it's a real unfortunate circumstance that in the United States of America we don't have this provision. You, you think know, you'll get four weeks? Get, yeah. Right. Well, I don't think we should do four weeks. You, you know, want I, twelve, I right? Yeah, we got we got to do paid family leave, and that's twelve weeks. I yeah. mean, I, when I was working in the, the, the um, commerce department, you know, there was someone who was career civil servant, and, and she got no time off after her third kid. She didn't have it. She didn't have it. You know, how is that possible? Now, we've, we've implemented this in the federal government, thankfully. And actually, the former administration started this, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's been carried forward. But we need to give people some certainty. They're being squeezed. That's why they're exhausted. I mean, I asked the chamber a year ago. I sent my local chamber in Detroit. I said, study what's going on with the workforce. It's yeah. a pandemic. Everyone's in the plight for data right now. Well, lo and behold, their study comes out, and the number darn one reason people aren't getting back to work <laughs> is because of daycare. I can hear the frustration in your voice, Congresswoman <laughs> Haley Stevens, Democrat from Michigan. I appreciate your straight talk whenever you come on. Thanks hey, for being with always, us. Always, anytime for me. As we Thank recall, you. never mind voting on a bill before you read it. Where's John Boehner when you need him? Look at how this bill was written. Can you say it was done openly? With transparency and accountability? Without backroom deals and struck behind closed doors? Hidden from the people? Hell no, you can't! This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.